BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. There is a lot of Biden remorse in just the first little over 100 days as his administration has literally set fire to America in so many different ways. And there are a lot of people who are looking back at President Trump's first term with uh, really a lot of nostalgia and wishing that President Trump had a second term. So to take a look back at the first term of President Trump, as well as a look forward into hopefully the second term of President Trump, is Bob McEwen, my guest tonight, who is the president of the Council for National Policy, as well as a former Ohio congressman. So to take a look back, watch this. I spoke to the president this morning. He is ready, willing, and able to help. His team has been on it. I know a team, when they're on it, his team is on it. I had a private conversation with him, and he said everything that I could have hoped for. And every single thing he said, they followed through on. We saved millions and millions of lives. He is being the kind of leader that people need. We will deliver a safe and effective vaccine before the end of the year. We've created over 9 million jobs. The U.S. economy way above expectations. President Trump proposing a payroll tax cut. Congress should come together to deliver this middle-class miracle. The president actually went at the core of issues, issues like welfare. Every child is a precious and sacred gift from God. Thank you very much, Mr. President. My administration has taken historic action to protect religious liberty. It's a first step, but it's a very big first step. We all miss President Trump. And uh, Bob, welcome so much to Just the Truth. Jenna, great to be with you. Thank yes, you so much. Thank you. And I think a lot of Americans are really discouraged with the first 100 days of the Biden administration and uh, are really wishing that President Trump was in office, uh, very discouraged. But I think that uh, you see it as actually an opportunity for President Trump. Why? Well, socialism only fails every time. And uh, they take over New York and it is the most uh, safest large city in the world, and they can turn it into a place that nobody wants to walk down the street. They can take over the school system in Chicago and make it the worst in the nation, take over the golden state of California and turn it into poverty. So socialism only fails every time. And uh, the, in my analysis of history, there's only been two times when a person has been able to change the whole direction of the geopolitical landscape without a war. And interesting, both of them in our lifetime. I find no other example of where Ronald Reagan was able to collapse economically, militarily, and politically our competitor, the Soviet Union, and communism, 
And then again, some 40 years later, is a time in which it looked as though the, the Chinese were on a roll. That is, and interestingly enough, Reagan was the only one that believed in what he said. Uh, the eight people that were standing on the uh, platform there in New Hampshire, he said that we want to cut taxes, we want to make the economy grow, we're going to fix this by making a stronger America rather than a weaker America, and every last one of them disagreed with him. And it's very interesting that if you're looking for an eagle and you're offered a turkey or a pig, you'll choose the turkey because it's closer to the eagle that you want. But when an eagle comes along, and as I repeat, Reagan was the only one that wanted to cut taxes and make the economy grow, in the same manner, uh, Donald Trump comes along, 15 candidates, and he's the only one that said, you understand, we are voluntarily giving up this great nation. I mean, here, here we are, uh, the 4% of the population of the world create more books, plays, symphonies, copyrights, inventions than the rest of the world combined. Uh, for thousands of years, people hoped to someday fly. Americans invented the airplane and the light bulb and the telegraph. The reason there's skyscrapers all over the world because an American invented the elevator. And there are places where it's 100 degrees because an American invented the air conditioner. And, and here, this country is willfully making itself dependent on the Chinese and nobody was doing anything about it. And so Donald Trump said, I'm concerned about the border in which people in, in America, when they graduate from high school, want to get a job, they're, they're being overrun by people who don't want to be Americans, who just want to be here to take their jobs, and nobody's doing anything about it. But also, the fact that we're in competition. You know, the, the, if you go to the Federal Reserve Bank website for St. Louis, they have a very charts, and one of them is the median income for Americans. And so if you have the median income from 1996, now that's, that's Mr. Clinton, 2006, 2016, that's when Donald Trump came along. In, in that 20-year period, it's completely flat. Within $200 in 20 years while America is flat. Now, the Chinese are growing at 6, 8, 9%, and they're about to overtake us. But we chose a leader, understood the problem, knew how to fix it, and I'm eager to talk about that tonight. So thank you, Jeff. Yeah, it's good and, to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you, Bob. And um, I love that you have this grand understanding and scope of history because I think so many people just look at the Trump administration uh, just in an immediate historical perspective but uh, we're gonna look back tonight at uh, from the Reagan era all the way to uh, the Trump administration and then moving forward I hope into his second term well the world is a totally different place than it was four years ago yes yeah. because of one leader yeah, and that's that's Donald Trump. So very excited, and I'm really excited that you're here as well. And we've been good friends for a number of years and very, very grateful to have you here. So stay tuned for more on Just the Truth as we're taking a look back on the Trump administration, a lot of his accomplishments, comparing and contrasting that to the first 100 days of the Biden administration and why I think Americans are so ready for the second rise of the Trump administration and to continue making America great because we're not going to give up the principles and values that our country was built upon, the U.S. Constitution, everything that has made us so great. We'll be right back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing the conversation with Bob McEwen, who's the president of the Council for National Policy, former Ohio congressman and good friend here in Washington, D.C. He knows everything about how D.C. works. So this is a very exciting conversation, Bob, to give an insight for people into the swamp that is Washington. And we're talking about President Trump's first term and uh, how his administration functioned, the accomplishments that he had. So uh, what to you, and you were also part of the 17th, 1976 commission, uh, great honor there, and so had an up-close role with the Trump administration. Uh, what do you see as his greatest accomplishments? Well, the, th the thing is that people lose hope. The thing about liberals, when they take over a city, or they take over a school district, or they take over a state, they say there's nothing anybody can do. And so w when the country begins to flounder, they say, you know, what's, what's uh, Trump going to do? Wave a magic wand? Well, no, it's not a magic wand. It's just a matter of knowing what to do. And as I, I mentioned here, China was growing six, eight, nine, ten percent. The United States is absolutely flat. And uh, Donald Trump said, why are we doing that? The money that we used to put in a bank, which people loaned to get a house or a car, they now, for the last 30 years, have been sending it to New York. New York bundles it. They take the money to build a factory in China. This main streets of America are abandoned. People are left without jobs. The banks are making money. The, the wealthy uh, folks in San Francisco and New York and Wall Street, the, the, the elite Democrats are making bundles. But Main Street America is being abandoned. And he said, I want to represent them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, he, he began to uh, reinforce American values in, in the course of it. The, the, we were just about, the Chinese were just about to overtake us. And I have a friend that was in this, the Treasury Department and he meets with them every year. And he said they got increasingly arrogant year after year after year. And suddenly when Donald Trump came in, they recognized that they were just a little bit ahead of themselves because when Donald Trump said, we're gonna support America, we're not gonna be sending our money there, we're gonna give it here. Then the stock market in, in uh, China fell 47%. The stock market in America went up 55%. So instead of them overtaking us, now the, the, the width is overwhelming. And, and what happened was, I mentioned about the geopolitical change. Donald Trump said to the world, why are you doing this? That is, these people are systematically, they know what they're doing. They're controlling a supply chain. You can't make a Mercedes Benz. You can't make a Samson refrigerator. You can't, in the United States of America, President George W. Bush signed a presidential waiver that our computer chips and our F-16, F-18 fighters would come from China. The idea that our, we were voluntarily making ourselves dependent upon them, and they were just about to close the trap with, with, with uh, strategic medals and all the rest, and Donald Trump went over, flipped on the light, woke the entire world up. People began to take factories and put them into, into Vietnam and elsewhere, and, and the, the, as I said, changed everything. And in the course of it, of course, then America began to reignite itself as well. Uh, he, he, there, there's a whole series of ways. You just think about the, the Middle East. Uh, that's what a leader does. They, they have a thing called the Palestinian Liberation Organization, a PLO. It was an artificial creation of the Soviet Union in which they said, we are going to harass the Jews in Israel and the United States. That's just what we're going to do for a living. Now, they call themselves Palestinians. They weren't Palestinians. The head of it was Anwar Sadat. Or not part of Anwar or Sadat. Was, uh, was from India or was from uh, Egypt. I misspoke there. And so the head of Egypt, and he wasn't a Palestinian at all, and yet he was harassing, and the United States is sending them money. Uh, and Donald Trump said, if they don't make peace with Israel in one year, they got 365 days to do it. If they don't do it, we're going to quit sending them money. 
and all of the State Department bedwetters, all of the people in the, in the uh, think tanks said, oh, we couldn't do anything like that. But a businessman knew mm -hmm. they're having a time of their life. Everybody wanted to make peace. Uh, Carter and, and Clinton and, and, and Obama tried to make peace and they wouldn't do it. Why would they? They're getting paid billions of dollars to float around the world, get standing ovations to the United Nations. They're not going to give that up. Donald Trump said, eh, not on our dime. Mm -hmm. And so after a year, when they hadn't made peace with Israel, he quit sending money. And, and all of the think tanks, why the Arab streets are going to explode and every, the Middle East is going to fall apart. And he found out absolutely nothing. Yasser Arafat, who had, who had now uh, been replaced by Abu Abbas, who is now in the 16th year of his two-year term, uh, they, they recognized that they're out there all by themselves. And, uh, the, and the, the Saudis said, well, if America's not going to give them any money, we're not going to give them any money either. <laughs> so the UAE said, well, if the, if the Saudis aren't doing it. And the first thing the thing fell apart, uh, their, their harassment, and the other nations began to make peace with Israel in, in the Arab Accords. Uh, in the uh, Abraham Accords, he made three countries more than any time in the last quarter century. Three countries made peace with Israel, and there were six or eight more if we could have just gone through mm -hmm. the election. So uh, leadership makes a difference. And so there, there you have the Middle East. Look at energy. I mean, Jenna, I've said for years, America could be energy independent any time we got a leader that wanted to be. Mm. And we got one. And in 18 months, we went from sending billions and trillions of dollars to the Middle East for them to, to put high rises and, and you know, golden faucets and glass buildings and all that, while we're depleting, taking money out of a, every person that goes to get a gallon of gasoline, taking that money and sending it to them. He said, why? We, we are number one in natural gas. We are number one in oil. We are barely second to China in coal. This nation shouldn't be borrowing from it. And so he began to open it up. Uh, the pipeline, he, he approved it, allowed people to drill for oil. And in short order, not only are we not sending money abroad, we are selling oil and they're sending money here. Makes perfect sense. And America, the dollar gets stronger and the country gets stronger. Uh, these folks have been in power for <laughs> less than three months and the thing is already 50% higher gasoline because the first thing they do is they come in and they step on the oxygen hose. Mm -hmm. uh, Biden couldn't wait 24 hours <laughs> to shut down the, the pipeline. And, uh, and then of course, uh, with all of the people coming across the border to take all of our jobs, which everyone recognized up until just about six or eight years ago, uh, Bernie Sanders and everybody said that when you bring in cheap labor, you destroy the jobs for the Americans. And how are you going to support schools? And how are people going to be able to, uh, to buy things if you keep doing this? So that when you go, you go to the entry-level jobs, they, they can't even speak your language. They didn't come here to be Americans. They came here to take money and send it back. And, and this, this new package that they sent uh, last week that they give all these additional funds uh, because of the unemployment, the amount of money going to Mexico hit an all-time high. So here's tax dollars from Americans being sent to checks that are then sent to Mexico. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It's what it was before. It was corrected under Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. We're going to fix it again. Yes, and Donald Trump was willing to ask the question, why? Why are we doing this? And the founders in their wisdom, and you and I have had this conversation before, that they in their wisdom did not have any sort of qualification in terms of being a politician or having any uh, office experience before rising to the elected office of president. And Donald Trump is the very first 
fully just citizen president to come into uh, into office in the White House. And that has served him and the American people so well because he didn't care about the swamp. He didn't say, you know, oh, well, this is the way that things have always been done and I can't mess with it because he didn't have any allegiances to anywhere in the swamp. And that was a wonderful thing, but it, go ahead. Is it the right thing to do? Right. Let me give you a perfect example. I was a ranking member on hospitals and healthcare in the Veterans uh, uh, Committee. The Veterans Administration is basically controlled by the service groups, which are the VFW and the American Legion, the DAV and these other folks. And Ronald Reagan came in and said, you know, this is really unfair that these people in South Dakota and, and, and Montana and elsewhere where these veterans that are ill, in order to go to the veterans hospital, they have to drive six, eight, ten hours to get there. And they give them an appointment at uh, eight or ten in the morning, they have to drive all night long. And then, because it's a government-run system, they'll make them sit on a chair and they sit there till four in the afternoon and say, oh, he went home, they have to wait until tomorrow, so we have to go sleep in his car and things. And so Ronald Reagan said, no, no, I think we ought to just be able, if he lives more than 50 miles away from the VA hospital, that he ought to be able to go to a local hospital and we care for our veterans the way they're entitled to. And the special interest groups, mm. the, the VFW, and these girls said, erupted and said, look, Ronald Reagan wants to destroy your health care. You're a veteran. You're entitled to it. Now he wants to throw you out to everyone else and, and just leave you in the private health care system. And they created such a turmoil for so long that it never happened. And it could never happen through lesser presidents since hmm. until Donald Trump comes in. And what did he, exactly what you said. He didn't ask, how does a special interest in Washington feel about it, which are all run by leftovers from Capitol Hill liberals. Mm -hmm. He said, is it best for the, for the veteran? And I repeat, I've spoken at virtually every one of those national conventions for years and years and years, and I know that they don't like the VA. They're always complaining about the VA. And uh, oftentimes the, the people were not competent, and uh, all they would do is say, we can't get to you for another uh, uh, three or four weeks, therefore take this pill, and this will make you feel better. And he would get them drug addicted, and then they get to go into depression, and veterans are killing themselves at the rate of 20 to 25 a day, a day. Donald Trump comes in and he says, no, 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 that, that doesn't make any sense. He didn't ask, what does a special interest in Washington think? Mm -hmm. It would be better if that person could go to the nearest hospital and he could compete. And if he's not treated well, he could go someplace else. We want to care for the veteran. And when, when the changes were taking place, he allowed over 4,000 people were fired for the first time. You see, you don't have to fire everybody. Mm -hmm. When you fire one person on, on, a, on a floor, everybody begins to perk up. But for the first time, uh, they, they cashiered 4,000 people that were mistreating the veterans, mm -hmm. gave them the capacity to go to the local. And when Donald Trump left, over 90%, and I say this because and people wouldn't know this, uh, it's usually in the 30% range of people that approve of the VA if you were, if you're. But when, when Donald Trump left, veterans in America gave an over 90% approval rating mm. of the VA. That's never happened in history. Wow. Why? Because a businessman knew what to do and, and he did it well. So it, uh, that's why the left then said that he didn't like veterans. Why? Because they could always tell where, where he's getting strong support. Right. The veterans were coming his way, then they said, well, he doesn't like veterans. Mm. Nobody could prove it. The, the 
Dirty they said that about so many groups too. I Dirty mean, they magazine. said that about you know the the suburban women. They said that about the black population. The yeah, absolutely. So we, we've we've lived and learned, but there's there's much more to talk about. So mm, thank but, you, Jenna. Yeah, this is so fascinating, and I think it's it's such a remarkable indictment of Washington of how much they love themselves and their own power instead of the American people. That's what Donald Trump always loved and still does is the American people. And they so love him. we'll talk absolutely, and we'll talk much more about the swamp when we return. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing the conversation with Bob McEwen, who's a former Ohio congressman and president for the Council for National Policy. And we're talking all about Trump's first-term accomplishments that, of course, the left and even a lot of Republicans didn't want you to know about. They spun the truth, and they weren't willing to tell the truth. Why? Because they hated how much Donald Trump was actually accomplishing things for the American people instead of special interest groups. So, Bob, you are giving just some fascinating insight into all the things that we should know about the Trump administration. So what are some other areas? Well, Jenna, one of the things that should be understood is, is that, uh, I said, the world is a different place. Mm -hmm. There has been a, a geopolitical shift, and that is, for the first time, people that were taking all of their money and sending it to build factories and, and highways and railroad stations and all those things in China uh, began to ask the question, why? I, I repeat, uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz said, why, why are we dependent? We're making ourselves so that they can control the supply lines. But Donald Trump led the way and began to, our pharmaceuticals were over there. The, the, uh, for for uh, uh, many of the diseases, they had even 100%, which is one of the things, again, there's a businessman mm -hmm. that uh, Ronald Reagan recognized that when the, when the uh, patents were up on a pharmaceutical, the cost hundreds of millions, perhaps a billion dollars to, to come to market. But then after the patent was gone, then he said that other people ought to be able to make that. Big Pharma opposed it greatly. We're able to get it passed into Congress. But then the, the swamp never quits. Mm -hmm. And so they got the FDA and the CDC and these, and these bureaucrats to make it such that when Donald Trump became president, 85% of all the generic drugs now, these are ones that the patents had expired. 85% of them were only a single source. That is that notwithstanding the law, notwithstanding what people wanted, Big Pharma had been able to get the regulars to make it such that they didn't, nobody could compete with them, that they were the only, only sole supplier. And Donald Trump said, why is that? Stop that. And so for the first time in history, let me say that again, for the mm -hmm. first time in history, the prices of drugs had gone up year after year after year, sometimes double digit and all the rest. Not only did they stop the rise, but they actually receded and they were cheaper than they were before the third term of his, of, of his administration. And they went down rather than up because of businessmen. We're going to care about America. Let me tell you another one. That is that, that these pharmaceuticals would sell their drugs internationally and they would negotiate with the Secretary of Health in whatever country. And the countries say, we only have this much money for, for health care in, in Italy, or this much in Rwanda, or this much here. And, and they would make the deal. But of course, they have to make enough profit in order to have their stock price. So what they would do is increase the prices to Americans. 
And so Americans are literally paying 8, 10, 15 times as much for the drug that was created in America, manufactured by an American company, for them to buy it, they're pay all of these other countries are being subsidized by the person in the United States. Wow. And Donald Trump said this. He said, all right, we're not going to pay. Nobody in America should pay more than somewhere else. That is, if you cut a deal for a certain price for the people in Argentina, then America has to get the same price. And, and, and so the, the pharmaceuticals, they had to raise the prices to the other folks because they weren't going to have the average American paying uh, to subsidize their, their uh, medicines. And the head of HHS, he said his phone began to, to just ring off the wall. All these health ministers, well, we can't afford to pay this. We don't have the money. We can't afford to pay this. He said, welcome aboard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what Americans have been putting up. Why? Because yeah. we didn't have leaders. Wow. that wanted to put America first. And so the, the list could go on and on, but one of the things that internationally, that uh, as I said, when the world is a different place, when Donald Trump became president, he took his first trip abroad. Let's go back to Obama. Obama's first trip abroad was he came to the Muslim Brotherhood. Now the Muslim Brotherhood had been outlawed in all the Middle East countries because they, after World War I, wanted to overthrow those governments and, and put a caliphate back in force. And so uh, they went underground and, and they were despised by all those leaders. President Obama, first time ever, said, we want those people to be allowed to travel. I want them to come see me. And he went to make a speech in Cairo. Everyone should go see it in 2000, June 2009, his first speech abroad, in which he talks about how much that uh, the United States was dependent upon the Muslim world. And that here's what he did. He was in Egypt and he told the president of Egypt, Mubarak, not to come to the event. Wow. Can you comprehend such a thing? But then he, he supported these uprisings and of course they took over Tunisia and, and the bombing of Libya under Hillary and all these sorts of things. So uh, it was apparent that they were, and then gave billions of dollars to the, uh, to the Iranians who were dedicated to the destruction of Israel and the overpowering of all the other countries. Donald Trump comes in and he flies to make three stops. One in Riyadh to speak to the, to the Muslim world. 56 heads of state come to hear him speak, 56. Because they knew, ah, America's back being fair. Mm -hmm. That it's not like the Obama-Biden administration where they only care about Iran where they subsidize Iran, where they let Iran develop nuclear weapons, where they send billions of dollars to Iran, they're going to think about the rest of us. And so the 56 of them showed up, repeated applause. His next stop was to Jerusalem. Now, you're not allowed to fly from an Arab country to Israel. You have to go through a third country. They, <laughs> Donald Trump is a leader, and they knew it was a leader. And on that point, I'm going to come back in a minute and talk about, about mm -hmm. the Pacific. He goes to Jerusalem. He talks to the Jewish leaders, then he goes to Rome, he talks to the Christian leaders and says, we're going to bring peace to the area. And indeed, that's what he did. Mm. Uh, and, and the tremendous progress that was made. In the same manner, let me just tell you this, Jenna. When, when George W. Bush was going to visit China, it's natural that you would stop on the way because on the peninsula there is Korea, and Korea at that time had 45,000 troops of our friends and, and uh, 50,000 Americans had given their lives for their independence. Let me put it aside. Never in the history of mankind has a nation shed blood and treasure for the freedom of another nation and never ask anything in return. Mm. 
The only nation that's ever done that is the United States of America, the greatest place in the history of mankind. But when you're, so, so we have this 10th largest economy in the world now. It was third at the bottom when the Korean War was over, but it got freedom under America. North Korea got socialism. They have poverty. South Korea, 10th largest GDP, and they're our friends. And so George W. Bush said, we'll stop there, reconnoiter because of the time zones and all, and then I'll, I'll go to China. And China said, no, <laughs> you're not going to do that. No, you're going to come directly to us. So leader of the free world says, oh, I've got my instructions. So he called our friends in Korea and said, we'll catch you on the way back. <laughs> and uh, China said, no, you won't. No, no, if you're going, to have, you're going to come see us, then you come see us and go back. You're not going anyplace else. So I... Uh, I observed that when Donald Trump went, went to China, his first stop was in Tokyo. His second stop was in, in, in Japan. His second stop was in Seoul, South Korea. Then I think he went to Shanghai. And then I, I, I think maybe it was the ASEAN meeting. I think it might have been in Singapore or someplace. And then he went to Manila and home. And, uh, and, and I, I said, uh, at the, as I was giving a speech one time, and I mentioned that, I said, I've never gotten the chance to ask did the Chinese even bother to suggest? <laughs> and and uh, one of his staff members happened to be in the audience, and they shouted out, "No, no. <laughs> why? Because they knew a people know a leader. Yeah, they and recognize they respect a, leader. a leader. And the world is falling into chaos at this moment because America mm -hmm. doesn't lead. It didn't lead under Obama, and now it's, it's it. And so, people recognize leadership when it's there. That brings peace and stability. Uh, there, there's much more to, to talk about. The, uh, I, I, I just think that we have reason to be optimistic uh, that finally somebody saw it. You know, yeah. if you take in the other 15 folks, they didn't see what he saw. He saw what was at the border. He saw where China was headed. And, and uh, China can never, ever fill the place that it, that it was. Now, in the meantime, it's going to throw its weight around in Taiwan. They recognize that, that uh, we now are more interested. They, we, we shut down the military. Can you comprehend this? They had to stand down for 90 days because they wanted to talk about racism. And they're literally, truly, they're, they're, you, can, you can go online and see where they're having troops march in high heels in order to have a sympathy for the, in order to destroy this great yeah, military the woke power. Military. It's despicable. And, and so, but we now have a, uh, we know that there is a leader there that uh, as we get through this, that, and I'll, I'll tell you why I think that in the end, I think this might be for the, for the best mm -hmm. because... Uh, Which I'm really interested in hearing that and we'll, we'll uh, definitely come back to that in the next segment because I think a lot of people are seeing the lack of leadership and I mean nobody even knows who's in control in Washington. It's clearly not Joe Biden and they're seeing that America isn't respected, doesn't have a leader right now, but Donald Trump from Florida actually made a statement about America supporting Israel before the supposed current president. And that is still leadership from yeah. Florida. Well, and that happened actually in the 1930s. Uh, the, the British were the world leader at that time. The United States only became a world leader, the world leader after World War II. So prior to that time, it was, it was the British for 250 years. And during the 1930s, <clears throat> when they formed new governments, they agreed not who's going to be prime minister and foreign minister and defense minister, but they would all agree, first of all, that they would not allow Winston Churchill any place in the cabinet. And then the little worms would get together and they would form their government. But they knew that wherever he sat, assistant secretary of treasury of, of education, that Winston Churchill would overpower them. 
-hmm. and, uh, and so he didn't even go to Parliament. He sat down there at Chartwell and painted. And they said within 36 inches of his easel was more power than all the houses of Westminster because Hitler knew that he knew what he was up to. The entire world came to him to listen to. They recognized leadership. We are now in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. This, this fellow is fouling up in energy, fouling up finances, and it's doing serious harm to investment and, and, uh, and internationally. Mm -hmm. But uh, everyone knows where the leader is. And it's, it's in the end, in the end, uh, a whole generation is going to recognize what, what can and should be done, and America will rewrite itself. Will write itself. Yeah, and that is leadership, and I think that's so encouraging, and it reminds me when you say we're back in the 1930s, like the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> so we'll be right back with more. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Just the Truth. We're continuing the conversation about the wonderful first term of Donald Trump and looking forward to his second. So Bob McEwen, um, thanks so much for being here. This has been such a fascinating discussion already and you've highlighted some of the, the really significant accomplishments of Donald Trump because he was willing to ask the question, well, why are we doing that? And change it and be a leader. And even with all of the things that he accomplished in four years, which is more than Joe Biden's done in 47 years, uh, there are still a lot of questions about what more he could have accomplished if he wasn't undermined by his own party and some, sometimes I think also his own staff within the White House. What are your well, thoughts on that? And, and that's, that's often the, the case. Uh, quite frankly, I, I just finished a biography on, on Grant and uh, Ulysses S. Grant, and the similarities were just massive uh, because he, he again, uh, was, was not a politician, uh, but he joined the military, could see what needed to be done. The professionals were jealous of him and how they tried to undermine him. And, and so that's, that's kind of the way it works for great people. Uh, it's always been that way. There, we've, only, we've only had uh, three great turnings in our, in our nation's history. Uh, the first one, after the, the founding of the country, Andrew Jackson, we'd almost gotten rid of, of slavery. He wanted to reinstitute slavery, and so we had the Jacksonian era. Up until Lincoln, when Lincoln ended slavery, we went to 10 presidents, eight of whom were Republicans, and the country grew into the strongest, most powerful nation on earth. Uh, Roosevelt comes in, Roosevelt turns to more government, and we've basically been on that direction ever since. It could have changed after, after uh, Reagan, but his successors uh, didn't want it. And so we've had this doldrums between Reagan and, and Trump. And, and with Donald Trump now, again, we have a person who wants to put America, and we have the potential, because he relates to people that share his affection for family and faith and, and patriotism, uh, that he, the potential to have a fourth great turning mm. is tremendous, and I believe it will happen. I believe he's the only person that can do it. Let me just tell you, in Ohio, uh, the northeastern part, uh, you, you have uh, Youngstown and Akron and those places where you can't find a Republican with a flashlight. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've done the Lincoln Day dinners in Columbiana and in and, and, uh, Mahoning County, which is Youngstown, and I could name half the people in the room. I mean, there were just a couple hundred people at all there would be. It was always that way. I mean, just there were no elected Republicans in any place. And, and Donald Trump 
carried it by more than two to one. Wow. And so uh, the the New York Times is all distraught. So they <laughs> they put on their hazmat material to go out to interview the great unwashed, and uh, to find these people, and uh, and they I remember one interview that one of the networks was doing. They asked a fellow. I said. Uh, have you ever voted Republican? They said, no, no. How about your wife? You ever voted? No, no. How about your friends? No, no, never. How about the folks in your union? No, never. Well, who'd you vote for? Or Donald Trump. Who'd your wife vote for? Donald Trump. Who'd your friends in the union vote for? Donald Trump. He said, well, why is that? And, and this guy, this guy in one sentence, in one sentence, he said, well, he said, I figured Democrats were more interested in some man showering with my daughter in her locker than they were in me having a job. Wow. And in one sentence, he carried it. And so wow. <laughs> uh, a few years, you know, in, in 2020, he carried it by even larger numbers. So what has happened is that he has the potential to stand up for what the country believes in, and people are ready, willing, and able to, to follow him. And of course, the borders uh, is a perfect example of that, 20-year highs. Uh, you know, we've all seen the picture of Washington crossing the Delaware. And that was um, on Christmas Day, 1776. His, his troops had gone from 25,000 down to 2,400 could stand in March. There were about 7,000 were hanging on just till January 1st when, they were, when their enlistments would be up and they, they wanted to hang on to get paid. But they'd had no victories. And they decided that they had, they had to have a victory. And so he said what he was going to do was go down and cross the Delaware and attack on Christmas Day. But he said this. He said, Thomas Paine wrote, these are the times that try men's souls, the summer soldier. And he wrote that on the 23rd. Washington read it, and he had it read to the troops. He said, everybody needs to hear that. So they read it on the 24th. Hmm. And then on the evening, then they, they marched. But he said this. George Washington said, aide-de-camp, who was, who was Alexander Hamilton, and Madison and Monroe were both there as well in their 20s. He said, post none but Americans on guard tonight. Say, well, wait, 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 wait. They've all got birth certificates. I mean, my goodness, they were born here. Some of them wearing the uniform. No, see, being an American is not physical. You and I can't become Japanese or Chinese, but anybody can become an American because American is spiritual. And for the people that are Americans, that respect our flag, that coach Little League and teach Sunday school and mow their lawns and pay their taxes and wash their cars, those people love Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And for those that want to undo America, and, and uh, to attack, they want us to be dependent. And so they stand on the oxygen hose. They say that we can't produce energy and that, that our best days are behind us and learn to live with less. And, 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 and under, so, under communism, under socialism, they, they try to make people jealous of one another, why that person. And, and they said, we, you know, uh, we, we want to take all the money from those people. And in America, people said, well, I want to be rich someday. And so it didn't work. And it wasn't until now they've fallen into this race thing. And all they want to talk about is race, and they want to divide America by race, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be left to the very very New York, San Francisco, L.A. billionaires, and the people that are here, that are just here to get the welfare benefits, and then the vast majority of Middle America, are strongly strongly Donald Trump people, mm -hmm. and they're they're going to restore it. So what you said about uh, Washington, is yeah. that uh, they. They, uh, you don't get a leader very often. <laughs> That's uh, true. You, you get, just look what we've got. 
uh, you've got you get a bumbling idiot. Some some <laughs> of the people they've been around and they and they don't rock the boat. They talk a lot, but they don't do anything. The difference between a businessman like Donald Trump, mm -hmm. forget the talk, do it. What, what do you have to show for it? And so when he uh, wanted to do things, and so then like you said, there were examples. Uh, for example, when they didn't get their work done, you're supposed to. There are 13 appropriations bills. That's the money to to spend for each of the various departments. If they don't get it done by the, it has to be done by October 1st. That takes leadership. Mm -hmm. So that would, it would be Paul Ryan as Speaker or Mitch McConnell as, as leader of the Senate. They're the ones who have to get it done. If they don't get it done by April, uh, October 1st, then you're now into October, November, and Thanksgiving. And then what they do is called a continuing resolution. That is, you take all the money that's left and we, we do it for the next fiscal year until October 1st. Now that's uh, sometimes it's three, five, seven of these appropriations bills don't get done. But uh, in the first part of, um, of President Trump's term, they, they didn't do hardly any of them. But then here's what happened, is that when, when uh, the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, convinced 55 of his House members to quit so that it would be harder for the Republicans to maintain control. And when they found it in November that Nancy Pelosi was gonna be the next Speaker, then the Majority Leader and the, and the Speaker didn't make a continuing resolution until the following October. They made it just until a week after Pelosi took over so that Pelosi could harass Donald Trump for three years instead of two. <laughs> and th th that inside baseball, in order to trip him up, how in the world he accomplished as much as he did is just a marvel. And uh, they'd never had anybody quite like it. And for the, for the benefit of our country, we're, going, we've, uh, we're significantly better off because of it. People are being able to see what happens when you replace uh, a leader with, uh, with people who are politicians. And I think that his reputation is going to continue to grow and prosper. Mm -hmm. And that America's best days are ahead of it because we'll have a leader that knows what to do. Yeah, we love leadership. And I love how you described America and all of the people who truly love and respect our flag. Those are the people who are Trump supporters that I saw at every rally I went to with the president when he walked out to proud to be an American, we were all cheering. So we'll be right back with more here on Just the Truth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing the conversation with Bob McEwen, who is the president of Council for National Policy, former Ohio congressman and great American leader. And uh, Bob, I've just loved this conversation, and we're looking forward to the triumphant return of a great American leader. And so uh, as we stand here today, the first 100 days of Biden, looking forward to 2024, if you were advising President Trump right now, what would be your advice to him? Well, Jenna, he basically to be himself, because uh, let me just say that there's only been 16 presidents that have had two terms, and their second terms have always been less productive and more damaging than their first, without exception. And uh, in fact, Reagan lost control of the Senate halfway through his, his first his uh, second term. And uh, I remember Matt Mattingly, the first Republican ever elected from Georgia, they asked him why he thought he got beat. Dash won in South Dakota and all these Democrats come in. And, and uh, 
Matt said, well, he said, people just got fed up with low inflation, low interest rates, and low unemployment because the country was in great shape, but people were ready for a change, and that's the way it is. Hmm. And so uh, if he were, were in the presidency now, there's so many good things that he could do, but there would just be that sense of a change, and then uh, harassing the Congress would probably be more difficult. But now as we see what they are like, when we see what, what they do, uh, it, it's disheartening to someone of his caliber. Uh, Donald Trump knows that, that he had Iran right on the edge, and he knows the countries that were lined up to make peace with Israel, and he knew the strength of the dollar and not running up, that inflation was going to continue to be zero. Now he sees inflation is going to explode. You see the chaos in the Middle East. You see the destruction, of our, and it's got to be frustrating to him. However, I believe that he's greater than just a president. I think he is a change maker. I think that, that he can turn the country so that successors coming after him will say, that's the kind of presidency, that's the kind of nation I want to have. And that's exciting to me because uh, these 30-something newspaper experts that, that uh, told us that, that we needed to have our current uh, people in power, this is, <laughs> we're only a few days into this. Three years from now, this country is going to be very severely harmed. And uh, then we can really make a change. I'll just say that uh, we, we, I was a 76 delegate for, for uh, Ronald Reagan. And uh, whenever we went to Ohio, he, uh, we would talk about how that he lost that election in 76. And, and he would, at the end, he would always say to me, he said, Bob, he said, I'm a much better president following Mr. Carter than I ever would have been following those other two, which were Nixon <laughs> and Ford. And uh, Donald Trump pulled the country back from the edge, and, he, and he, he restored its leadership. The entire world, everybody knows, J Japan, Latin America, all of Europe is now much more secure and safer because Donald Trump was not, did not follow the Pied Piper of the Chinese that were just about to close on all of us. So by now having been able to, to make that change, uh, I, I would just encourage him to recognize that this is a wonderful, great country. As I said, said to you, uh, we are the ones that bless the world. There's a ship parking in Hong Kong and in Singapore at this moment. There's a plane flying over the continent of Africa, all of them using a global positioning system conceived, invented, and maintained by Americans. Uh, there's a Mercedes dealer in Buenos Aires ordering a part from Stuttgart, Germany, using an internet conceived, invented, and maintained by Americans. When a ship is attacked on the high seas, as happened over 300 times last year, to whom can they appeal? Only the 327,000 Americans wear the uniform of the United States Navy. And so, uh, as, as for wealth, the, uh, we, we like to talk about poverty. Arkansas, go down to the Ozarks, take a picture of people in their porches in black and white photographs. The GDP, the gross domestic product, the goods and services created by the state of Arkansas is larger than the sixth largest nation on earth of 220 million people. Every, three and a half million Oklahomans create more wealth every year than 91 million Filipinos. This is a marvelous country, and if, if, if Donald Trump, who personifies that, along with the flag, if he can get people seeing this is what America is, this is what America can be, this is what we should, and, and doesn't, he, he is above these kids that are snapping and barking at him. Uh, he shouldn't, uh, these press people, I mean, they, you know, their experience couldn't fill a thimble. And so as long as he paints the picture as to what the world can be like, then the world will rally. It, it, they want a cause. And people, people, people will fight 
they'll fight for a paycheck. They'll give their life for a cause. Mm -hmm. And uh, people love America. They, they want a leader that, that stands for that, and he does. And I think that he's learned that he, he doesn't need to he doesn't need to talk to these kids, especially when, uh, when, we, when the world sees again, when they're reminded as to what happens when you, when you turn it over to the left. I mean, they, it's tragic what they've done to California and to New York and to elsewhere. And uh, because of the people that know the answer, and what do they say? They say, I, I'm, I'm for Donald Trump. I believe I'm running for, the reason I'm running for mayor of Chattanooga is because I believe in America like Donald Trump does. And as long as, as he paints the picture as what America can be, uh, it can, he can be a transformational figure, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I think he is and will be. Yeah, and I, I love that there's such an emphasis and the perspective on moving forward yeah. in this country because I think a lot of people are so disheartened by the 2020 election, including and especially President Trump. Um, but moving forward and always casting the vision of saying we the people is what makes America so great and a leader is always forward-looking. They, they, did, they did to him what they did to Reagan. And Reagan said, the city on the hill, that's where we're going. How they stole his nomination from him and all the things, I, I know all about that. But uh, Donald Trump personifies what people care about in the future. As long as he talks about the future, school choice, infrastructure, airports we can be proud of, uh, he knows how to do this. Yes, he does. Well, Bob, thank you so much for uh, being with me. And, and I know that you're the president of Council for National Policy. And so tell us just in a couple seconds. It's a consortium. It was formed out of the Reagan uh, Finance Committee to help him accomplish what he did. It's the leadership of all of the conservative organizations. Mm -hmm. We get them working together. We don't do what other people do. We get them all working together. In them. Love it. Love it. And looking forward to being a member there. All right. And now to just the word. Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's it for this episode of Just the Truth. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find out more about the Thomas More Society and the incredible work that we do there at thomasmoresociety.org. And I will be back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday here on Just the Truth.